This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. And in this month-long session, we're going to be talking about the Benedictine rule of order. It's so hard sometimes to explain, for one thing, why we're talking about rules anyhow in modern families, and then also, what does order even mean? And today, we're going to talk about it with Wendy Snyder. She's on Instagram at Fresh Start Wendy, and she also helps families with some of their parenting challenges through her website, freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for joining me today, Wendy. Jennifer, I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a really fun chat. I know. I'm excited about it. You know, so basically this whole podcast is also connected to a book I'm writing about how the rule of St. Benedict could be a tool to help modern families kind of gain more peace and connection in a society that's a little bit chaotic. And, you know, Benedict was alive during the Dark Ages, so things were very crazy and lots of, you know, barbarians wandering around killing people and that kind of thing. But we also are are living in what some people might consider a little bit of a Dark Age, like the, you know, classrooms are a little bit more chaotic and there's been so many school shootings in the news. And there are a lot of reasons why families today feel a little bit afraid and even confused. And one of my, you know, one of my ideas about this is that some of these ancient practices could be used to bring more peace and connection to us as families today. So the the topic of the month is order. For a little while, it almost was a bad word. You know, I think there was a big movement towards more egalitarian families, towards families where children and parents all had the same say, and you you didn't necessarily tell your children what to do. They had as much of a right to tell you what to do as you. But then when you see society where nobody listens to anybody or, you know, where you can't in a classroom, you can't even really expect children to listen to the teacher hardly. And there's nothing you can do about it. If they don't, you can see that there actually is a probably a, a valid reason for having some structures that bring order to culture. Yeah, absolutely. Order, structure, all such good stuff, especially in parenting and classrooms and education, all the things. Totally. And one of my favorite parenting books I've talked about before is Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne, because he, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. And a lot of the books that I read about parenting from a Christian perspective were kind of all about discipline, like get your children to obey. And I think that is, you know, it is important to you know, the Bible says children obey your parents. So I understand the importance of having children be able to listen and and reading a book like Shackleton's Endurance really brought that home for me. Because if those men in that expedition, they were an Antarctic expedition, if they hadn't listened and obeyed their captain, they would have all died. There's no way they would have made it out alive if there wasn't a very strong structure of order. But on the other hand, I think a lot of those Christian books really overlooked like child development. I mean, is it is it necessary to, you know, discipline as in spank a two-year-old who's not listening to you? Or maybe you just need to give them a snack and put them to bed. Like there are so many things that were being encouraged in parenting through some of these Christian books that honestly were probably not very 
um, kind or respectful. And there's another verse that talks about, you know, bring up your children, the nurture of the Lord, or don't um, provoke your children to wrath that I think really address the importance of our family structures and habits and environment that kind of contribute to more order. And, and if you think it's just all about make them obey you and you don't have some of the environment and some of the sort of underlying structures, like, do you have too many toys? Is your schedule too full? Some of these things contribute to a lot of chaos and it's not fair to discipline, whether it's a timeout or some other form of discipline, a child who's been provoked to wrath by your own mismanagement. <laughs> yes. Mic drop, Jennifer. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Amen to all of that. It's so true. So what are some of the strategies that you offer to parents for bringing order, especially if they're just getting started? Because that's one of the things that we're talking about in this podcast and in my book is sometimes we've already made so many mistakes. Like sometimes we're at the point where we're like, oh my gosh, I I did give my cho- my child too many choices. I didn't really teach them to follow directions. And now we're in this situation where I have a child who's almost as big as me and they won't listen to what I say. What do you tell parents as you're coaching them into developing more cohesive family structure? Yeah, sure. I'll tell you a little bit about just kind of what my work is based on. And and it's so perfect because it it just is in in total alignment with um, this concept of order and all the good stuff you're talking about this month. So um, here at First Start Family, um, what I do on a day-to-day basis is I teach parents how to set up a firm and kind parenting framework in their home. So a lot of people, when they learn Um, whether you call it positive parenting, connected parenting, conscious parenting, gentle parenting, whatever it is, a lot of people mistake it for permissive parenting, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. We're essentially helping families reach the middle ground between too firm, which is autocratic, a lot of the the stuff that was taught, um, whether it be um, in our Christian world or just in culture, right? Um, That was like my way or the highway. There's a lot of fear and force. There's a lot of like um, influence through intimidation and fear-based tactics. And then to kind, which I actually had a beautiful podcast guest say to me sometimes, well, I don't know, Wendy, I don't know if there's ever too kind. And I'm like, yes, I agree. So maybe too kind isn't the perfect world, but it's a word, but it's too soft, right? It's like uh, kids rule the rules, kids rule the roost. There's no rules. There's no fences. Um, kids give whatever they want. Parents aren't really comfortable saying no, um, all those types of things. So that's like the pendulum, right? And so I'm teaching parents all day long how to reach the middle ground and be firm and kind, how to set very strong limits um, that are in line with your family values, uh, with, you know, what you believe and what, um, you know, the importance of, of strong limits and then following through with consistency and connection versus relying on threats, yelling, intimidation, and harsh punishments to get your kids to comply. So the middle ground is really important and it sets parents up for success because your kids end up respecting and following the rules and listening because they want to, not because they have to, right? And so that is where so many parents get in trouble. Um, I do, you know, I work with families all over the world. We have a pretty large membership now called the Fresh Start Experience. But I'd say, Jennifer, that like maybe five to 10% of the time, parents end up struggling with permissiveness. That's the side of the pendulum that they swing. 90% of the time, 
They struggle with the two firm autocratic methods that so many of us grew up with, right? Where um, there was a lot of danger. There was a lot of fear and force being used in the home. And now they're learning once they have kids, how do we get away from that and actually influence in ways where our kids are going to respect us long term? Because what happens with the fear and force is it wears off. So a lot of times once kids become teenagers, uh, they it no longer works. Like you have to up the fear and the force so much and the ability to scare them that they either, especially strong-willed kids, Jennifer, which I kind of specialize in helping families with strong-willed kids, is they you just end up losing them. You end up losing them in their faith walk. You end up losing their respect. And then all of a sudden you're faced with teenagers where you just desperately want them to listen and respect your rules, whether it's, you know, um, coming in by a certain amount of time, like getting their, their work done, picking up uh, chores, you know, being respectful to you, solving conflicts peacefully. You desperately want them to respect your rules and boundaries, but you haven't set up an actual system of firm kindness. It's actually been a more fear-based system of punishments um, and that kind of stuff. So doing the work as early as possible to create relationship-based um, firm and kind parenting in your home is just the most wonderful way to invest in your family and yourself. Yeah. And I, one of the things I love about like the simplicity parenting method and even what you're talking about is a lot of it is just our own good habits. You know, when we have our own good habits, then our children can kind of fall into that. But when we are inconsistent or all over the place, like one, one day we're like, you have to go to bed at eight o'clock. And the next day we're like, oh, I'm tired. I don't feel like putting you to bed. Whatever's fine. You know what I mean? That is when I think we really run into problems with the order of our home. Yeah, because it's so important to follow through, right? So another thing a lot of families struggle with is empty threats. So whether it's, again, that's more a little bit more of the permissive side of what you're talking to, right? Where you're like, hey, we're going to, I'm going to do this tonight and we're going to follow through. And then you never follow through. We, I always joke that kids know by the tender age of like two or three years old, if you're a parent who's going to actually follow through on your limits. Um, so following through is so important. It creates safety. It creates consistency and it makes you you um, a person of your word. Like it, it makes children respect you. But what I see so much in families, especially families who struggle with that too firm um, side of things, is they they lay out a lot of threats. And the threats are, are essentially what they've been conditioned to believe will move their kids to action. And then they rarely follow through. Like sometimes they may follow through, but a lot of times they don't. It's just the threat. And so kids not only they they end up responding out of fear, but which wears off in the long term, but then they also learn to not respect their parents because their parents after a while they realize my parents not actually following through on this. So when they tell me the first four times to come to the dinner table, like I'm not actually believing them until they yell. Like so we're actually training our children to only listen to us when we move to that like aggressive, uh, intimidating mode. So yes, following through on limits are so important. And it, it is an art. My goodness, isn't an art, right? <laughs> like we teach a four-step process here where we use agreements, which are different than compliance statements. And then we use empathy 
which is so powerful. It's one of our superpowers as parents. Um, and then we we have our children restate the agreement, which is like engaging their critical thinking skills. And then we give options. We empower them to actually move forward and cooperate in a way that is creative and not so much, hey, it's my way or the highway, but we actually are still getting the task done, um, which then in the end creates a teamwork environment. Oh, that's so good. I love the idea of, you know, having things really clear. I think that one of my business mentors talks about can clarity is kindness. You know, when when things are clear, Ooh, yeah. the expectations and the outcomes, I think it's easier for our children to fall in line with that. One of the things I think that really struggle, you know, that parents struggle with, especially as their children grow older, is what to expect because the, you know, the, the moral choices, like we're not in a Benedictine monastery where it's told to us exactly how to spend our days. We live in a modern world where everything is available. You know, I live in California where like cannabis use is legal. Um, I live, you know, we were in a small town, but there's some kids who have lots of access to social media. Some don't. Some kids have you know, spend a lot of time on anime. Some some families think that's inappropriate. You know, there, there are all these moral dilemmas that we have as modern parents, especially as our children enter the adolescent teen years. How do you help families or what do you say to families who are like, I don't even know what the right or reasonable expectation here is? Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of times this is where like science and scripture can be so beautifully combined, right? So when you look at St. Benedict and like his 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 private prayer, like the importance of sleep and like spirituality and like, you know, just the, the natural things of the earth and the world that like create a healthy brain and spirit, right? Like that's kind of what I think about when I look at some of his his teachings. And then you look at the modern world where there's a lot of like new stuff that's like internet and social media and phone, these devices, right? Like technology, right? Like that's connecting you and I today and allowing us to, to speak to and be in community with so many families around the world and there are dangers associated with it. And the science and the research is starting to prove to us that um, the brain is not responding so great, especially when you take kids, right? And you expose them to say video games, especially violent video games, social media, uh, the use of iPhones from a very young age, like the science is showing us. So I always say to parents, like, um, educate yourself and look at the studies and what they're showing you. So for example, that's, you know, I, I, I became familiar with some some advocates of um, there's there's a lot of amazing advocates um, for keeping cell phones out of the hands of kids for as long as possible. Arlene Pelican is one that I really look up to. Um, she was on our podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. Great episode. But when she speaks about the research and the reasons why, it is very easy to listen to that and then go out and have the conversation with your kids where you hold the strong boundaries and let them know like, hey, this is not just a rule that you have to listen to because I said so. For example, with our daughter, um, we would not allow, we, we didn't allow cell phones until high school. 
Um, and so, but we would explain like, hey, this is why this rule and this boundary is going to keep you safe. This is why it's protecting your brain. The way that your God-given brain is supposed to thrive and be in this world so you can have peace and joy every day, this is going to protect you from the harms that they are proving is actually happening. So it's just so important, right? And so when kids have rules explained to them in that way, even though it's very hard. Like there was probably four years, Jennifer, where Stella was just in tears about how all of her friends had these devices. And she was the only kid here in Southern California that didn't have a cell phone. She was the only kid who would go on a volleyball you know, trip that was two hours away in a big van. And every single child was on social and TikTok and she was the only one. And so there were so many tearful conversations that we got, that I got to as a mom hold space for and turn into a beautiful moment of vulnerability and connection and firm kindness because I wasn't bending on the rule. And I was listening, right? I was listening, I was empathizing, and I was always coming out in the end with firmness, like, and makes total sense why this why you're you're just in knots about this and you got to trust me that in the end this is going to serve you and there'll be a day when you say mama thank you so much for keeping my brain safe and helping it develop in this very you know appropriate way for as long as as humanly possible does that help jennifer answer that question at all oh that's a wonderful answer i really love how you were able to empathize with your child but also be firm about what your family value was. Like, I think that that is the key. I mean, we have to not just go along with culture. I love Sally Clarkson says, you have to be able to do what's right when everyone else is doing what's wrong and do, you know, you have to be able to stay with those right choices, those, those choices that you feel God has laid on your heart. And a lot of them are morally ambiguous. You know what I mean? Whether to watch Harry Potter or not, whether to wear short shorts or not, like some of us are, don't have a conviction about it. Some of us do, you know, there are so many things that as parents, we have to really listen to our own, you know, the Holy Spirit inside of us because it's impossible to look at culture and say, oh, this is the right thing to do, because to some degree, culture is unhinged from any moral compass. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And that's why it's like, uh, you know, I love being a podcaster and an educator, and I'm sure you might agree on this. It's just you get to meet so many people who are taking those culture questions and turning it into like, hey, let's do some research behind this and see how it's affecting us. And again, that is what really, in addition to like being in relationship with God, being like figuring out what is our family value here, but then also looking to people who have dedicated their lives to proving the effects on marriages, on our self-confidence, on things like shame, you know, like mental health, depression, anxiety, like that combined, I think is the ticket, right? And you mentioned, gosh, Sally and Clay Clarkson, boom. Like I love their them so much. Clark's or Clay's um, book on discipline is just phenomenal. If, and if anyone needs like a really great faith-based resource for compassionate discipline, faith-based discipline, it's phenomenal. Um, and then my friends at Flourishing Homes and Families, Dr. David and Amanda Erickson, they combine that research, right? Where they're like, hey, culture is telling you to do it this way. And even within our own Christian culture is telling you to do it this way, right? There's like culture within our own 
strong Christian culture. And then here's, you know, here's the clarity. Like here's where the research and the scripture gets combined to show you. And then you make your decision, right? Like then you can move forward with confidence. So um, yeah, it's good stuff. But yeah, to be rooted in your own family values and systems and to have the confidence to deliver that uh, to your children without intimidation, fear, force, threats, like that is where kids will actually respect you and respect the limit. Right. And that is one of the things I, I think is really important too, is just to recognize our own habits and our own, um, the, our own way of life, because so much of parenting is caught rather than taught, right? Like if we say to our children, don't, don't be drinking, don't be getting drunk, but we get drunk every weekend. Our kids are going to pick up on our behavior more than what we say. You know, if we say social media is really bad for you and we spend hours scrolling Instagram, our children are going to pick up on what we say. And, and that, I, that is one question I'd love to hear from you about, like you did so well at holding a firm boundary with your child and helping her develop before she got online. But at the same time, you were building an online business. I'm in the same boat where I'm like trying to help my children develop good habits around being online. And yet I have to go online to build my business. How do you, how do you navigate that where some of the things that we're doing, uh, we, we have to do things that we don't necessarily want our children to do. Yes. Oh my goodness. So the, the technology piece is the hardest for me at this point in my career, being an entrepreneur, like running such a, a large organization now, having a big team, working 40 hours a week, right? Um, having a big social media presence that I have to, you know, I choose to, I get to pour a lot of creativity in and engagement, all the things. Like it is definitely an area that I am still working on, to be honest with you, but I'm going to give you an example from a different area um, that is the way that I like to lead and teach from. And it's actually just happened in the last few, uh, four months. And it was like, dang, this is parenting. So my daughter, like, you know, Southern California, teenage kid, normal, like, you know, she makes mistakes. She's not perfect. And, um, I found out that she had like experimented with, um, alcohol and I was like, oh my goodness, I panicked because I always just thought I was going to have the kid that was able to like never do it, you know? And in the back of my head, I thought, well, there's a chance that she's going to make a mistake. We teach mistakes are opportunities to learn. Uh, We're obviously very well-versed in compassionate discipline as an educator. So I'm like, okay. And it still scared me really bad. And so as we were working with her and talking with her, all of a sudden, I just got this conviction of like, Wendy, you know, let's look at you how are you doing? And the life skill that I wanted my daughter to learn was the ability to be out in a world, in a social environment, in a culture thick with alcohol being the norm. Like in our culture here in America, it is so thick. Uh, It is the only drug that you have to explain why you don't drink. It's crazy. Like it's wild, the, the culture that's been set up. And especially here in Southern California in the high school, like she's in a public high school, And so I was looking at him like the life skill is I want her to be confident to be able to go to a party, to be able to go to a friend's house where everyone else might be drinking. And she's like, I'm good. Right. And then so when I got this conviction, I looked at myself and I'm like, holy smokes, like I don't have this life skill. I have been like typical teenage. I don't know if a lot of people can relate to this, but 
I started drinking alcohol when I was a, a teenager to numb my emotions. I had a strained relationship with my parents and that was the norm. Like that's what you did. That's what you did in high school. Like you started to use alcohol to have fun, to feel powerful, to belong. I wouldn't have described it like that back then, but that's what was happening. And it fell into a rhythm. And then it turned into like fancy wine clubs in my 30s and my 40s and going to Napa Valley and wine tasting and all the things. But really when I looked at it, I did not have the life skill of being able to go to a party and be like, no, I'm good. And and alcohol started to not agree with me in my 40s. And I started to feel yucky the day after I had a glass of wine or three at a party, right? And so thank God I was able to hear the conviction. And through that, there was an insane amount of healing happen. God revealed like so much that was underneath the pain associated with like my dependence on alcohol for the last 20, 30 years. And so four months ago, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to stop relying on alcohol to have fun in a social environment and just stop. I just decided to go alcohol free. Like it was just a, it was just a, such a strong conviction. And so for the last four months, I have felt so much cleaner in teaching my daughter this life skill because now I'm actually modeling it. The technology piece, Jennifer, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Check back with me in like six months. But when it comes to like this very important life skill that I'm teaching my daughter, I just feel like I'm sleeping better when we go out to dinner and I like have a soda with her. I'm like, this feels so good to teach her. Like, look at us laughing and having fun. And we don't, I don't need a glass of wine. Just like when you go to that party and you're going to be tempted because everyone around you is going to be telling you, this is how you have fun in high school. You get to have your mama teaching you. It's not the only way. So that's, 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 oh, that's yeah, such a beautiful story, Wendy. I really appreciate you sharing because for one thing, there's a couple of things here. For one thing, so many moms on social media, they're like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And then their kids hit the teen years and they disappear. And partly they disappear because things do happen. Like our children do make mistakes and we can't necessarily talk about, you know, obviously you, you had permission from your daughter, but it's like we, some of these things we can't talk about it's not our story but unfortunately it leaves the younger moms feeling very alone they either believe that everybody is perfect and if they're not they're a problem or they believe that everybody's perfect and and the expectation they put on their family can be out of the bounds of what is normal you know the truth is everybody is a human and they're growing we all have our pain we're working through. We all have, have the, the revelation that is coming. We're all working through our own trauma. And so some of that will bleed out into our family. The best thing we can do is as early as possible. Like I love that you talked about, it wasn't just that you quit alcohol. It was that you started to explore with Jesus what what that where that came from. You started to understand what the underlying thing is. And, you know, I talked to, I was in counseling for a little while this winter and I was talking about one of the, you know, an emotional issue that one of my kids was having. And she said, you know, so I was like, should I bring him in for counseling? And she said, you know, the more regulated that you get as a parent, the more regulated your child will be. And especially regarding children who are, you know, younger, like in your home, I'm not talking about adult children. And so the more as parents, we start to explore, yeah, why do I disappear onto social media for validation? Or why do I have to drink a little bit too much to relax? What is going on underneath that I may be numbing out from or escaping? Because the more we get that healed, the the healthier our whole families will be. 
And, and even, you know, it's interesting because even anxiety and control can be a crutch. Like if we're constantly nitpicking our children's behavior, or if we're constantly worrying about what the future could hold for them, those are just as damaging to our family as drinking too much or being on social media too much. And so like starting to explore, why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I so worried? Or why am I so controlling? Why do I assume the worst? Or why do I have to get, get, you know, drink alcohol to escape my own head? Starting to explore that. And you can email, I'm sure myself or Wendy for resources to start working through that. But this has been an amazing conversation, Wendy. I'm just so grateful for your honesty and brilliant ideas and I know that the family's listening. Is there anything you really want to share as we close? Oh, this 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 is so fun, Jennifer. Thank you for allowing and just holding space for me to show up like I love to do, which is like with vulnerability and honesty and all the things. Um, and I tell listeners also that Jennifer was on our show, the Fresh Start Family Show, on episode one seventy four, where we talked about navigating fears as moms. So I feel like both all of our our conversations just have a tendency, Jennifer, to go like really rich and deep. And so if anyone wants to check that one out, that's a a really good one and supplement to this conversation. And then I talked about that healing journey that I just told that quick story about um, in an episode I recorded for our show called Healing Through the Mirror. Because really, when it comes to parenting, again, if you can see the reflection of what's going on for you, what life skill you're missing, because modeling, as you said, a lot of parenting is caught, not taught. Modeling is one of our most effective tools. And when you open yourself up to seeing yourself in the mirror or seeing the misbehavior that your child might be having in yourself, you then do open yourself up for massive amounts of healing, which is exactly what happened to me, um, which was one of the most profound experiences of my entire life that all came from my child having a misbehavior that so many families would miss and just punish, try to punish out of their their child, right? So there's just so much richness when we do life together with our kids and, um, yeah, it's just beautiful. It's it's tough at times. It's messy and it's absolutely beautiful. So thanks for having right. me today, Jennifer. Yeah. Motherhood is definitely a sanctifying journey. It's not a, you know, <laughs> yeah. we sometimes we think it's about making our kids better, but it's really about making us better. And I love that the Lord uses it to um, bring us closer to him. Heck yes. Thanks so much for joining me, Wendy. This has been delightful. Thanks, Jennifer.